0: This is On Being's Unheard Cuts. I'm Krista Tippett. You're listening to my unedited conversation with psychologist Alan Steck. Download the MP3 of our produced show at OnBeing.org. Do you have any questions for me before we start? Um, you know, uh,
1: you know, in talking with... Ru- okay, now I'm going to start fussing. <laughs> so can I... <laughs> Can I be a little less loud yes. to myself? Okay, because I, can do that. I I'm in the feel like am right
2: going. In okay.
1: It. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry about no, that. No, no, don't be sorry. Yeah, we have to get yeah. this perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't feel like I'm actually having a real conversation, but I'm getting too much, too much of myself. So, <laughs> you know how that is. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, I guess. It, yeah, well, one question that I that I have is mm-hmm. that uh, you know, Rob. Uh, gave me the sense that you all were, uh, I don't know, struggling was too strong a word, but, you know, you were wrestling a little bit with, you know, how to approach the subject. And, um, uh, you know, and I'm just, I guess I'm still, I'm curious about that. And I'm curious about where you arrived or if you arrived or, um, and how this fits into that, you know, just maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit of the larger context, you know.
0: Um. It's it's just I think that we it's a subject um, we've been talking about for a while and I don't know if you are aware of this but I um, I had a, a pretty formative experience when I was studying theology of working as a chaplain on a the Alzheimer's mm-hmm. floor of a home and hospital for the elderly.
1: Oh no no I didn't yeah
0: and I I've written a little bit about that and it's uh, it was actually very important to me um, hmm. Hmm. we we put out a, a query, which I think you saw, didn't you respond yes. to it? And, yes, uh, yes. you know, got a variety of responses. It, it's just that, um, and then we, we did a couple of interviews, uh, several years ago, um, that just weren't, it, it wasn't quite right. So I think we just, mm-hmm. we have, I, 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 now having said that, um, I've spent this last couple of days, uh, steeped in things you've written and, um, Revisiting some of the literature I'm aware of, but also really getting a good sense, I think, of how you've come at this. And so, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not confused right now about this conversation. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, and I th- yeah. think that what you um, speak to that that is what we want to get at <clears throat> is um, this idea that much more attention has been paid to. Uh, that a lot of attention has been paid to the to the physical and you know maybe even spiritual health of caregivers, understandably, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that there hasn't been so much reflection on the psychological and re- relational aspects of people with Alzheimer's mm-hmm. disease. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. something you do know about. And so that's that's mm-hmm. kind of how I want to shine a light on this, if we can. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I will bring in some some of my experiences, uh, some of the experiences that I had, because uh, mm-hmm. this is something I. Still, you know, would love to, to talk about it. It's
1: not yeah, like I've yeah. ever
0: finished with it or made complete sense no. of it. So, no, no
1: I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Actually, uh-huh. I mean, I'm glad, my fellow traveler. Yeah, in that way. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, you know, I think one thing that's different about this is most of the subjects we take we take on, even if it's something like depression, we had our program on depression on last yes. week. You can yeah. talk to people. You talk to somebody who's had the experience. Yeah, and yeah. Alzheimer's is different. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. of course, I could interview someone in the early stages, but mm-hmm. that wouldn't really tell the whole story. And, you know, what I'm also interested in, and I, I do mm-hmm. sense that you've spent a lot of time thinking about this, and I certainly want to mm-hmm. get to this with you, is how, is this, how do these experiences you have Make you, you know, shape your thinking about what mm-hmm. it means to be human, or how you live with some of these issues of mm-hmm.
2: how mm-hmm. our Absolutely. memory
0: forms us or death. So that's where I want to go, and I'm. I think we uh-huh. should just plunge in. I sure from from reading what I've read of you, I, I, I sense that you're ready to have that conversation too. So, Mitch, Absolutely. what are you, I'm getting a yeah, right? Okay, so we will go um, sixty to ninety minutes. I understand that we have to stop right at. Uh, three, my time four years. So let's let's get going. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to hear um, just a little. This is a question I ask everybody, whatever we're talking about. Just a little bit about the religious. Was there a religious or spiritual background uh, to your mm-hmm. life? I, I believe I did. I read that your father was a cantor.
2: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. i uh, My father uh, was a cantor. He's uh, he's retired now, um, and I grew up. Um, in uh you know with a very large uh suburban uh, synagogue family <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, you know as uh, as the son of the cantor um, and uh and so and, and I had a religious education so i you know i'm i'm that's very much a part of my life and uh part of uh it's absolutely a lens through which i i see um, i see these things mm-hmm. um, and um and of course memory um uh is a big part of my tradition uh, yeah. the jewish tradition yeah um so it's um it's very much uh all around in that respect
0: mm. um and what what uh interested you about psychology how did that happen
1: you know this is that's one of those questions that i i uh, i wish i had a great uh, <laughs> answer to <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh and uh, it's very hard uh it's very hard to say. I mean I really just gravitated uh in, in, in that direction. It was the thing that I was most that I was most curious about. You know, it's funny because um people um people ask a similar kind of question about well why why would you want to work with old people? Right. Um and of course it it kind of reflects a certain bias in our culture because it's very hard for us to understand that there might be anything interesting about, uh, older people. That's, that is the, that's the kind of the prevailing, um, attitude. Um, and so, um, um, but, um, and I, in my early life, I was taken care of by, um, my grandparents. My, I had two grandmothers who were my were my babysitters, right. and so people in my family and pe- people who know me are certain that um, that this is this is how I ended up uh, doing this kind of work. Um, you know, I'm a little less certain of that, but uh, I'm, I'm willing to kind of <laughs> okay. entertain, entertain, you know, entertain that idea. Um, so,
0: and how did you then get into working specifically with um, people with Alzheimer's disease?
1: Well, I knew I knew uh when I uh got into graduate school that I wanted to work with with older adults. I, I absolutely knew that. And um and so I I kind of gravitated in that direction. I moved in that direction. And when I um when I got out of school, um uh there weren't kind of working opportunities for me to do that that I was happy with. So I um I volunteered to run uh, a caregiver support group for the Alzheimer's Association, okay. and this is um, this is about twenty years ago. Um, and uh, that group was my education. Um, I mean, I learned more about the illness and the experience of having Alzheimer's disease and the caregiving experience um, from that group uh, than you know than any formal education uh, that I had. And so once I started doing that, uh, that kind of set me off on the track to uh, work with people with Alzheimer's disease. And from there, I, uh, I started um, a group, uh, a support group for people in the early stages of the illness themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that was not going on in, in the area where I was working. Um, and um, it was happening, uh, I later found out, in other parts of the country there were pockets of this taking place. But um, um, at that time, it was still um, not a common kind of intervention. It's become a little bit more common. Um, you know, there mm-hmm. were many caregiver support groups, but not a lot of groups for people in the early stages well, of the what illness.
0: Was, what was the reasoning behind that or the the sensibility that led things in that direction.
1: That, you you mean that... that, the uh, the caregivers were
0: cared for, but not, that so much attention wasn't paid to the people actually. Well, I mean, the caregivers are suffering too. You can't just say those are the only people suffering, but the the Alzheimer's patients themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I mean, I think there there are a couple of things. You know, one is that it it coincided with... um, Advances in the diagnosis of the illness, Um, and um, and so as as more and more was learned about Alzheimer's and how it was different from other kinds of dementia, there was a there was a a kind of an elevating of the profile of the illness itself that that kind of took place, right? I mean, you know. there was a period of time where um, all these dementias were kind of lumped together, and the specificity right. and diagnosis and understanding was really not uh, where it is today. I mean, there's really been you know tremendous advances in that respect. So, so when that happens, um, you know, there's a kind of identity to each subtype that that can become somewhat more elaborated, right? And mm-hmm. you can uh, you can uh, reach out to people in particular with the particular. Diagnosis, so I think that was one factor that made it um, uh, more uh, more common around that period of time, and also um, that period of time was a, a kind of general flourishing of a, a support group movement in mm-hmm. this country, which um, again, you know we sort of take for granted now, but there was a period of time where um, that way of helping people um, that way for people with particular kinds of difficulties and challenges and problems to self-identify and find one another became much more common. Um, and I think also the medical profession began to take support groups a little bit more seriously as real medicine. Right. um, Right. For people with cancer, for people with all kinds of illnesses. So, so I think all of that, um, Started to come together, and then the final thing that I would say is that you know um, our population is aging, yeah. and so uh, all of that—that's more a background. Ma- age
0: is age, an older age is more mainstream than it used yes, to be. Yes,
1: that's right. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And do
0: you think is, was there also a sense that um, because this was a disease that had an inevitable de- decline because there was mm-hmm. no cure and no no idea of and not really even treatment and no sense of how it right. would come about, that, that patients were treated differently because of that.
1: Um. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. I mean, you don't, you know, I, I think doctors are like everyone else, and, you know, you, you don't want to be um, associated with a losing cause.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? right I mean, it right. sounds harsh to say that, but I, I think that it's just a human um you know it's just a human quality that we we want to turn away from those things we're a little bit afraid of those things um uh you wanna you want to place your energies where you know that you can uh, do uh you know have the kind of maximum impact mm-hmm. and so when you know that what you're gonna preside over is a, is a um a slipping away mm-hmm. um a degeneration um uh, I think for a lot of people, that's uh, that's a reason to just um, stay away from it. Right. Um, you know,
0: and I suppose the idea was that, um, to the extent that that these people with this disease might be might be cared for at just at that purely human level, that mm-hmm. would best be done by the people who knew them best, rather yeah. than their doctors.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think I think there's definitely some of that. I think um, uh, I, I think that um, I can't tell you how many times I've uh, interviewed people who's um, who's internists upon you know, so someone will start having trouble with their memory. Uh, and the, the first stop is kind of the, the family doctor. And, you know, when you're talking about this generation, that may be someone who's known them for 20 or 30 years and may even be the same age, right? right. Um, or close, you know. Um, and, um, you know, I've often heard these stories of, you know, the doctor saying, well, I, I you know, I'm forgetting as well. Everybody <laughs> forgets. Sort of not. And and in it, you can hear, you know, or I can hear anyway, kind of reading between the lines that, you know, there's a there's a kind of denial there on the part of the doctor that that a lack of curiosity at a crucial moment that's being driven by that um, fear, mm-hmm. you know, and not wanting to look, you know, not wanting to see it. Um, so I, I think um, I think that that's, you know, um that is a factor when we talk about Alzheimer's disease. Um, it is difficult to face, um, and um, I think that leads us to act in ways, in particular kinds of ways, or not act in particular kinds of ways. Um, and it's part of the challenge of um, of this illness.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know.
0: You know when I was when I spent some time working as a, a chaplain. Mm-hmm. To people with Alzheimer's disease, I mean, I brought no training to speak of at all to that, but I I came to feel that the the great gift I could give these people, mm-hmm. not through any virtue of my own, but was this, that I had not met them before, that I was mm. encountering them, getting mm. to know them, and learn, coming to care about them. Mm-hmm. precisely as they were in that moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And mm-hmm. in the early days, I used to be very impatient and kind of judgmental sometimes with nurses who'd worked with people mm-hmm. a long time, and even with family members who came in, mm-hmm. and I felt like they were so dismissive and they infantilized mm-hmm. these people. But I, you know, I finally mm-hmm. realized that that was wrong of me because the people who knew them, who'd known them over time, were always grieving the, the mm-hmm. loss. They were always comparing mm-hmm. them, understandably, to the person they'd known. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there. Were, but what I could give is that I only knew them like this, and I could yes. love them like that. Um, yes, which was yes. huge. Um,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, uh, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a great advantage. It's a great advantage. You're not lost in in uh, comparing this uh-huh. moment with uh, what was before, um, and um, and and seeing the tragedy of it in that light right i mean right. you may have been in touch with the tragedy of it in other ways but mm-hmm. but um the heaviness um of um you know having to look at someone and know how much has been lost mm-hmm. is um is very hard to bear it's very mm-hmm. hard to bear you know so yeah. if, if you, we, think, you know we ask sorry. a lot of those people i, I just you know i mean I, and i i try to be aware of that also and you know i i as someone who was in a similar position to you, when I encounter people, I, yeah. um, but I work with caregivers as well, and I, um, you know, that's something that strikes me over and over again that we that we're asking them to make an enormous adjustment when we when we. Ask them to cope with the changes that have taken place, you know, and, right. and continue yeah. to unravel in front of them. It's like you know? grief
0: in the slow motion. It's like death yeah. in slow motion in a way. I know. Yes. I came to understand that it was completely unreasonable for me to judge that. Um, but right. So I wonder if when you, um, if you think about then, because you do work, I mean, I know you, you, you work with caregivers, but also with mm-hmm. people with Alzheimer's. So you can't cure them. Um you can't heal them in any mm-hmm. um three hundred sixty degree way. How do you think right. about your role uh what what is what is the purpose of your work with them as a psychologist mm-hmm.
1: well you know this is um this is uh this is a, something that the writing group really changed for me. Mm. I mean, I think that um, my answer uh, to that is my role is to, um, is to help them remember. Mm. Um, and I really, uh, I really take that as a moment-to-moment kind of task. In other words, I'm not trying to help them remember their shopping list or their, you know, although <laughs> I'm willing to talk with them about that, but, um, you know, I'm there to um, help them experience themselves as uh, remembering people. And mm-hmm. now we're talking remember, and I think it's important to specify. You know, we're talking about people in the early stages of the illness now who, mm-hmm. who are cognizant of what's happening, um, you know, who are having real um, deficits, experiencing real deficits, but who can, who can convey their experience and who can talk um, about it um, and in in those instances that 's what i 'm doing i 'm um, um, also uh, encouraging them uh, in in whatever way they are comfortable with um, to not waste time um, mm-hmm. and to and to take these opportunities that they have to say what they want to say to the people that they they want to say those things to um, it um, It really slips away quickly, and you see it slipping away, you know, um, week after week. Um, And I think part of the value of being diagnosed um, and going through the trouble to be diagnosed and 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 sort of being identified, which a lot of people resist, by the way, right, right, because yeah, well, because of that sense of hopelessness, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. um, um, is precisely that, you know. uh, that you can, you can manage it in some active way. Hmm. Um, and you can, you, can, um, you can take a look at what lies ahead and, and think about what you want to do.
0: Hmm. I mean, I mean uh, you, you've said that, pre- you've written that previously, prior to the writer's group, um, you realized that if you thought about memory at all in, in terms of your Alzheimer's patients, you thought about the loss of memory and yes, uh yeah. and I, I, the writer Don delillo who uh it sounds like his mother in law was suffering from alzheimer's, which yes, was his exposure yes. to this and he yes he he opened your 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 mind up about that didn't he to a different mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. tell me about that
1: well you know i was um i was running this group this support group uh uh for people in the early stages of alzheimer's and i um uh i got a call from uh uh, someone who ran the local chapter of the Alzheimer's Association and who told me that, um, uh, that there was someone who's, uh, who wanted to speak with me about uh, uh, a writing group for people uh, with Alzheimer's disease. And um, I immediately thought it was a bad idea. <laughs> okay. uh, I just did not. I didn't see it. I didn't see how it could, it could work. I thought that it was going to be stressful. Uh, for people uh, too dependent on uh, a kind of um, facility for writing. um, Mm -hmm. And um, I just didn't think it was a good idea. And um, uh, I think I was kind of, uh, I had blinders on. You Mm -hmm. know, I think I was really kind of limiting. I was limited uh, in that that respect. Um, And... um, when I got on the phone with Don uh, and we started to talk about it, he, uh, he said, writing uh, is a form of memory. That was I asked him what his idea was, oh. and he, he said, you know, writing is a form of memory, and um, um, perhaps uh, it would be helpful for these people to have access to that form of memory as well. And uh, that really struck me, um, because I, I, I never thought about writing that way. Right. I never, I never thought about different forms of memory, even. Like, I mean, the mysterious
0: right. thing about writing, too, when I read this this story about you, is that you, I think at, at all times in our life, sometimes you, you're able to write something down you didn't even know you knew, right? Yes.
1: yes. <laughs> right, right. You didn't yeah.
0: know you remembered. You didn't remember in that mental way until you wrote it.
1: Yeah, you think differently when you write. Yeah. You, you don't think the same way. If, if, you know, if I ask you to think about something just in your head, it's a different process and you use different parts of your brain. Right. So it really is different. It really is different. And so that just got me thinking about, well, you know, if there are different forms of memory um, and we're only using one of them in this, hmm. in this way of working with these people, maybe that's just too limited. And maybe we ought to really open up our minds a little bit. To, uh, to this and, and what the possibilities are that are inherent in this. Um, and, um, you know, I, in thinking back to that as well, I, I think it's really important um, for those of us in in health-related professions um, to talk to people who are outside of the uh, the bubble, as hmm, it were. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. You know, I mean, you know, if you just talk to other psychologists and other doctors, and you know, you you just you hear the same things all the time. Um, and I think um, what is, I think, a lesson to be learned here from this experience is that um, you know, uh, an artist has a very different view of things, hmm. um, and uh, it took. I think it took an artist to point out this truth about what I was doing and what I could do for these people. Um, you know a, a writer understood that <laughs> in yeah. a way that I was not going to understand, certainly not initially. you know
0: something else that intrigued me that you 've written about that, and what you realized is that um, when you write something down uh, again it 's not just a mental activity, you actually leave a physical yeah. mark on the world. You kind of entrust it. You give it over um, yeah. beyond yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, that was one of those things that until I was in the room, um, I don't know, sometimes, you know, something happens and you realize how right it is and you, you never could have thought of it. <laughs> right. But there you are doing it, right? right? And, yeah, I mean, you know, there we were in the room... And they would write, and they would finish writing, and they would read, and then they would um I asked them to give me what they wrote every time we met um, and I did that because I knew they'd lose it, or I was afraid they'd lose it. Mm-hmm. I thought there was certainly a good chance they'd lose it um so there was a kind of a practical um you know anxiety that was behind that you know technique, if you will, mm-hmm. but once That pattern got established. I saw that there was an enactment of something else going on there that was very profound. Um, And Mm. that was that they were turning their memories over to us. um, And these were people who might come back next week and not remember what they had written,
2: right? Mm, right. So
1: it's a very, very um, therapeutic activity in that respect as well. And it was comforting to them, you know. Yes. Um, No one objected and right. you know, No one said, oh, no, I want to hold on to it. Yeah. You know, you know, they, they turned it over.
0: And I think of, um, you, you wrote of your own grandmother. You said, as she neared the end of her life, my grandmother seemed to understand that if you can give something away, you don't lose it.
1: Right, right.
0: And that's something that, that people were able to enact, um, which is yes. actually taking a form of control, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's not a form of control that you can take if I sit you down and I say, Well, I want to tell you something that I remember, you know, it's it's different, right? There's mm. something about mm. the verbal exchange, mm-hmm. it just goes into the air, you know, like where does it go? Where do the words go? I, I you know. I mean, you may say to me, Oh, I'm I'm never gonna forget that, you know. <laughs> right. That right. doesn't usually happen. But <laughs> but you know, verbal memory, it's different. It's different. It's kind of it's invisible, mm. it's not tangible. And um there's something about writing that um uh, that is enormously um, helpful in this context. You know, you see it on the page. You know it's there. You can turn it over to someone else for safekeeping. Um, um, you know it lasts. Um, hmm. The verbal stuff um, is much harder to recall. And, and again, yeah. remember, these are people who might forget a conversation and did, you know, on a regular basis, did forget conversations that we we would have mm-hmm. um,
0: Yeah, I want to ask you about something I experienced in the people with Alzheimer's I knew. Um, Now, maybe this was at later stages because none of these these people were all hospitalized, and um, right. It's not just that um, you know. So, so memory is a very complicated thing, right? In general, and in Alzheimer's. So, yes, people lose short-term memory, but. Um. I also found that on any given day, I might go in and sit with someone who I saw every week and they would actually be, they would also inhabit memories, right? I mean, it was almost like Mm -hmm. a form of time travel. I mean, I would be sitting with someone and and often these were old memories, right? They were from childhood Mm -hmm. or early in their marriage or, um, but, but they were, Mm -hmm. um, they were back there, um, -hmm. You know, reliving, mm-hmm. reliving. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, well, yeah. I want to say again, inhabiting memories, not just have, not just calling them up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. I'm
0: just mm-hmm. have you experienced that too? Is that something that happens later?
1: Um, you know, in the later stages of the illness, um, people hallucinate. Right. Um, right. Right. And so they, um, so some of what you're describing can be attributable to that, not so much that they're imagining something, so it it can still be within the context of their own. No, I'm aware of that,
0: too. Yeah, that sometimes I would would learn that that wasn't reliable, that the story I heard wasn't...
1: Right, Uh right. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, and I think the the vividness of the past um, relative to what's happening in the present becomes more and more powerful. Right. Um, uh, You know, the present just falls away. Because the present is
0: so flimsy.
1: It's just, yeah, Uh yeah. I mean, from moment to moment. Um, And so, you know, you you will encounter people who are entirely um, inhabiting their past um, in that way and uh, speaking to you as if they are with you in their past. I've I've certainly had that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, The present is not here, it can't, it slips through the fingers. And over time, um, the sense of self that is attached to that present also disappears. And so what you have is this kind of, um, almost an archaic, right, Um, representation of the self of of what was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, because you you realize, um, when you see someone going through this, that um, all, all that memory holds. I mean, really, this is bigger than memory, isn't it? But so mm-hmm. so, so people lose their ability to present themselves. They lose their credentials. Th- mm-hmm. The way we've presented and defined our identity and worth mm-hmm.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
0: in this culture, like what I do, who I am, mm-hmm. what I do. E- e- Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Or yeah.
0: even people talking about... You know the, all the things that get lost, like not being able to drive, I mean how that affects yeah. people 's identity
1: yeah, they really do, um, and they 've talked to me i 've spoken with people about this what goes part of what goes along with that is a, is, is a is a profound sense of isolation from the world mm-hmm. they 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 actually don 't feel like they 're in the same world as mm-hmm. um, as uh, uh, other people you know, uh, so you know they 'll talk about the alzheimer 's world um, you know um, and missing missing the other the other world that they used to inhabit I mean you know the, this kind of insight is fleeting you know it doesn 't last for long, but mm-hmm. there are people and there are people who never have that much insight into what 's happening to them but but certainly there are people who can articulate a sense uh, uh, the kind of sense that you 're describing where that their identity has fallen away. Where where the place that they have in the world mm-hmm. is um, no longer there. Um, you know, things are moving too quickly. Conversations move too right. quickly. Right. Um, uh, there is a loss of of comprehension. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of you know the, the 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 more subtle meanings of what people are saying, and so they start to kind of fall back a little bit, you know, and they're on the edge of conversations, um, on the edge of all kinds of things. And also I also found
0: gracious yeah. people who were embarrassed that they couldn't learn my name. You know, I mean, they knew that. Yeah. They, they... So even that was prevented them from. They felt really connecting, really having. Yeah.
1: That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We. Uh, we wore, uh, <laughs> we went through so many different, um, you know, and I'm still struggling with this, you know, name tags uh, for people in groups. I mean, you know, uh, people hate wearing name tags. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, it's um, it's um, it's very important to know people's names. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, 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 it fosters a connection um, that if you don't, have that um, it, something is really missing, you know. Um, there's a kind of distance from, from each other that uh, sets in when you know over and over again, even though you know these people, you can't you can't say their name. But mm-hmm. um, um, uh, it's um, it's a struggle. It's a real struggle, you know. They they sort of don't want to be tagged, yeah. <laughs> um, but right. at the same time, it's very hard to remember, you know. Um,
0: and you know, conversely. <sighs> It was so, I felt that it was so powerful for me because by the same token, these people I was meeting for the first time, becoming friends with, didn't care about my credentials, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. my presentation, the way I normally present myself or define Mm -hmm. myself, all those footholds of the world also were Mm -hmm. completely meaningless for them in my my interaction with them. And... uh, there was something so challenging in the best way about because what was really mm-hmm. going to matter is if I was present,
2: mm-hmm,
0: if mm-hmm. I listened, if I was, if I was respectful, if I was caring. Um, yeah, these things that actually really do matter in life more than our credentials, but we're not absolutely. pushed to that place very often, especially not with strangers.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There <laughs> is that. There is absolutely that kind of stripping away uh, uh, of. Uh, of the kind of the, the veneer, mm-hmm. <laughs> top layer, um, and a very, very basic, uh, very, very basic level of understanding that you have to operate. Uh, on, um, and it becomes more and more so. Uh, certainly, with people who are in, in a hospital setting, like the one you're describing, it's mm-hmm. um, it's everything. Your tone of voice, yeah. the way you the way you carry yourself. Um, you know, often um, there really isn't much verbally that you can do that's comprehended, or there isn't much that you can comprehend about mm-hmm. what they're saying to you. So, how do you connect?
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, how do you connect? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very basic exercise at that point, you know, um, expression on your face. Yes. Um, it's, you know, it is a little bit like the way you communicate with a baby, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I, I, ha- I wanted to just, re- I brought, uh, you sent along some of the writings, some of the things people yeah. had written in your group. And, you know, they were just yeah. very striking. I mean, one woman, uh, one woman describing how she tried to mask this. I suppose Mm -hmm. the early stages Mm -hmm. and how, how very uncomfortable and painful it had become to be in the world. I think, as you say, I don't think that's Mm -hmm. very, and then her relief at finding this group. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Mm
0: -hmm. and then, uh, the man named Saul who said, having been a leader, most of my life, I now find myself extremely dependent on others. Yeah. Which in this culture, especially is a heartbreaking sentence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. I, I, he, he he um he was a leader in the group. Was he? <laughs> he was. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was a leader in the group. He was one of those people who um he was um the last one to stop driving. Right? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, Saul had a car and he you know, he would drive he would he would drive to the to the sessions um and um so, you know, he continued. He continued in that way. He had that spirit, absolutely. Mm. Um, but um, he also was very, very mindful of um, how dependent he was on his wife um, and uh, on other people to uh, continue living his life the way the way he wanted to live. Mm. You know, mm. yeah, yeah. But they were so they were so happy, and they are so happy to find one another. Uh, and again you know um that's the only way to break through the isolation um it it's um you know that sense of commonality is is very very powerful I, I can't give it to them you know um and their family members can't give it to them um it's only in finding other people who who you recognize you know and who recognize you um that's so important, because mm-hmm. isolation is um, ultimately the destination that this that this illness brings them to right it 's right. more and more and more isolation so so um, whenever there's it 's possible to be in a group and not just any group because there are lots of there are lots of ways in which people with dementia congregate um, but they 're not conscious, you know what I mean like you know, you can be still alone in a group. Right. right. Um, the thing about the writing group and the thing about the support groups is that they're there, and we are talking about why they are there and who they are there. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's by definition what we're doing. We're 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 meeting as a kind of uh, a group of people with with something in common. Um, they need that. They really need that
0: to ask you, you know, we, um, we invited listeners a couple of months ago to write to us if they had an experience with this illness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we heard from anybody who ha- has Alzheimer's, but from people who <laughs> love someone who has Alzheimer's. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: and, and this is something I, I wondered about also when I was knowing people with Alzheimer's and I just want to ask you, um, I think that some people but certainly not all um by the later stages believe that the core of this person they love or their you know who is a part of their family that that mm. that what is left is the core of this person. And and there are some people who say you know this the gentleness, the kindness, the joy that was always at the heart of my mother is now is now there, and it 's a beautiful thing, even as it 's hard mm-hmm. but that 's not, that's not the story everyone tells and, no. and there there 's mm-hmm. also this hard edge to this the paranoia the the violent behavior, the loss of boundaries that, that comes at different mm-hmm. stages in the disease. I, mm-hmm. I just want to ask you. Mm, from the experiences you've had, how how do you think about that? What mm-hmm. what is left um, after so much is unlearned?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a really tough one. Um, you know, because it's hard to. It is.
0: You don't um, want to romanticize it either, right? I mean, no. I love hearing I love hearing these stories when people say this is ki- yeah. the essence of kindness. But I don't. I think it's more complicated than that.
1: It is it is uh it is more complicated and um and there are people whose experience uh with their family members in this uh in this illness is uh is um is just uh, full of despair mm-hmm. and pain mm-hmm. and um and of watching someone uh, um, in in a very uncomfortable place and someone who makes them very uncomfortable um, so, um, you know, that happens. That happens. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, um, I think that the history of the relationship is important here. Yeah, um, I wanted to I, ask you I, about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, the the story goes on in some form or another. Uh, is is what my observation is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seldom encountered circumstances where there's an absolute discontinuity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like so, mm-hmm. you know, the the gentle person turns into a uh, a violent paranoid uh, person. Um, and I think it's also important to to say that that's not a common um, uh, outcome for people with Alzheimer's. Um, it, it does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, most often that happens, uh, uh, when people with Alzheimer's are confused, when they are uncomfortable, when they are in pain, mm-hmm. there are ways of treating that. Um, it's not uh, part and parcel, something that goes along with the disease. Um, and, um, so, you know, I, I, I think, um, it's you know I think it's important to to acknowledge that, but I, I I think that you know to the extent that you can make some sense of it, um, um, it's within the context of uh, of some relationship that what has come before preceded uh, preceded that stage mm-hmm. um, and um, um, but it's hard it's hard because there are times when you look and you just don't see you can't find anything mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you just can't find it. Um, And you don't... So where is the person? Um, And then there are times when, you know, you or I could go and look and we would see nothing and the family member is seeing something or the caregiver, the paid caregiver is there and seeing something and relating to a part of this person inside there, you know, Mm -hmm. that is um, still alive and still somehow sending out... Sending out a dispatch that they hear, you know, right, right. Uh, and it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary when when you see that. Um, um, so, um, uh, but a lot gets lost. I've had I had a woman recently describe describe it to me as uh, I- invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah, she said, you know, it's like she was. She was. It, it looks like him, but mm. it's not him. He's not in there. Mm-hmm. You know, he, somebody took him out of there. He's, um, and uh, that's her experience with her husband now. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Gisela Webb? She's a, actually a professor of religious studies who wrote and uh, just an essay that's quite beautiful about her mother's struggle with um, Alzheimer's and how yeah. she drew on different. World, different texts um, from the Tibetan Book of the Dead to mm. <laughs> um, mm. al Al-Ghaz- um to Muslim texts and and oh, Saint Augustine's Confessions, and um, she she called mm. this the Great Unlearning. But um, mm-hmm. she she was very, it felt very important for her to observe what was left. Um, Mm-hmm. And, how, you know, it's easy to p- put our finger on as we are on memory go, memories go, and lots of features of identity go. But she felt, um, I just want to know what you think about this, that mm-hmm. intuition, that feelings, feelings are still there. Emotion is still mm-hmm. there, even when there are no words to put around it. Um, mm-hmm. That intuition mm-hmm. is there. She felt that humor um, mm-hmm. is something that stayed with her mother. Mm-hmm. Um just wonder how you think about yeah. what is left, what, what is enduring. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of those basic things um, are still there. And so, you know, when you talk about feeling, I mean, um, you know, uh, feeling is there. Um, and it is, it's, um, and, you know, we express feelings uh, nonverbally. Yes. So, I, you know, I've, I've walked up to people who've just looked at me and started crying um, right uh, on, the, on an Alzheimer's unit and well what are they crying about I, I don't know I don't know mm-hmm. what they're crying about but I know that they're sad and I know that they're crying about something um, the same thing with laughter um, absolutely um, it's there I would even I would go even a little bit f- farther than that there are flashes um, there are moments that I've had where there's wisdom
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, that that is apparent um, and um, it it hits you like a like a ton of bricks um, and um, this is this is an element that I think um, has um, has a kind of spiritual component um, in in my experience mm-hmm, anyway mm-hmm. Uh, with 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 people like this um, mm-hmm. Can you give me an example well i i uh, my favorite is um I was working with a, a, a woman who who actually first came to see me. She brought her sister to see me. Uh, her name was Anne, and um, she brought her sister to see me, and um, she wanted actually her sister to join one of the writing groups, and her sister wasn't right for the writing group. And, and so I saw her, and they left, and about two years later she came back, and she had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I started to work with her, and... She joined one of my support groups, and she was in the group for a long time. Um, and then it became—it just became impossible for her to to participate. She would it, it, the conversation was moving too fast. She she just didn't have the language. She could she couldn't string together more than a a, a sentence or two. And it it was um, it just wasn't working. It, it you know. And so she had to leave the group and. Her husband, who was just extraordinarily devoted to her, really wanted her to maintain her connection with me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and asked if I would see her. And um, I have to say, I had I had misgivings about that. I, I um, um, you know, for her to come to my office and just meet with me there when her ability to talk was so. So limited, um, but i 'd known her a long time, and uh, and there was a kind of um, uh, 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 a connection that we had that I thought might make it possible and so she came and she she saw me uh, uh, in my office. she would come once a week. Um, uh, we didn't meet for a full kind of psychotherapy session time. That was too much time. And and um, and basically, I you know uh, I spent time with her trying to connect. Uh, and we talked. Um, I made use of what I knew about her. It was very helpful that I had known her before. And um, she would bring photo albums in. She she would do a kind of little. Chatchka tour of my office. Um, right, right. You know, when it wasn't really possible to talk about things, she would kind of walk around, and we would look at objects, and and um, she was very um, taken by the birds outside the window. I mean, that was the that was the kind of time that we spent together, and then even that became um, difficult. Um, she um, she was one of those people who started to kind of retreat into a almost a mask like blankness. Mm. It was harder and harder to access her. And, and you'd ask her a question and you'd see a kind of flash of recognition on her face, like like she understood what you were saying and she was about to answer, you know. And you'd you almost, you'd hear her breathe in, even, <laughs> you know. The words were going to come out. And then it would just kind of freeze, you know. Um, and this would just happen over and over again. It was very, very hard to be with her. Mm. Um, and um, um, and so we were really, we were reaching the end of that time and I was talking to her husband that, telling him that, you know, I just didn't think that it was, you know, a really fruitful way for, for her to spend her time and, and so on. And so it was around that time and I was going on vacation and, um, she loved the beach and I love the beach and <laughs> this was something that we used to connect about as well. And I, I was going to the beach and, um, I said to her, uh, as I was leaving, I said, Anne, um, um, um. Uh, I'm going to the beach. I'm, I'm going to be away for a while. And she smiled, uh, and there was her face kind of lit up. And I said, um, uh, You love the beach, don't you? And she said, Yes. And I said, What do you love about the beach? And as I said that, I actually kind of almost stopped myself because I had been. <laughs> talking too much, you know, with her. It was just too much language, you know, and I I was realizing that it just wasn't going to work. But whatever, the question came out, you know, what do you love about the peach? Um, And she kind of drifted away as she did, and she got very quiet, and again I waited, and I thought, well, you know, she can't really answer that question. And she turned to me and she said, there's some kind of music that lives there. Hmm. (laughs) And I thought, oh, God, that's the best (laughs) answer. (laughs) It was just a wonderful answer. And, um, you know, uh, not a a, a summer has gone by that I haven't thought uh, uh, of that at some moment, at some beach. (laughs) Um, And um, so to me, that's like a prayer. You know, mm-hmm. uh, where does it come from? You know, in the in the in the A.J. Heschel sense of prayer, right? This right. sense of you know, like uh, uh, sense of wonder, the sense of that place between knowing and not knowing, and and um, uh, the mystery of things. You know, um, so that's in there too, yeah. um, and um, you never know when it's gonna kind of come out
0: mm-hmm. I mean sp- speaking of prayer and yeah. ritual I mean, I do remember how striking it was and I've since read other accounts of this when I was working on the Alzheimer's floor how people who could not string a sentence together I mean who maybe didn't yeah. even ever talk the chaplain would come in and they would say the Lord's prayer or they yeah. right? <laughs> uh-huh. um, right or they would sing a hymn yeah, or yeah. I don't know the twenty-third uh, Psalm, and yeah. the words came out perfectly. There yeah. was something so mysterious about that yes. that these things seemed to be rooted so deep down, and they were indestructible. Yeah, yeah. When yeah, so, yeah, when yeah. nothing else seemed yeah. to be out of bounds. I mean, have you yeah. experienced that? And how do you blame sure. that? What?
1: Sure. Well, they're well. I mean, you know the the. the, the the scientific term, uh, you know, they're, they're well learned, right? You know, that's that's how people <sighs> describe that. It's it's you know that you've learned something so well, you've repeated it so many times. It's almost like muscle memory, right? It, right. it doesn't require this kind of conscious effort to, to repeat, and um, and so there there it is. But it's I, I think it's, it's I, I still think it's mysterious whether you explain it that way or not. Um, there is something. That um, is um, mysterious about that and and it highlights the ways in which memory is always a creative process hmm. to me that's that 's mm-hmm. the other thing that I take away from that so that that we 're always constructing it that is in fact you know i mean people you know the internal experience is is one in which we we kind of dip into the memory bank and you know pull out the memory. In its full form, right? Um, right? But the more we learn about this, the more we realize that, in fact, it, it's it's scattered. It it doesn't exist in one place. It it gets pulled together, right? Um, right. It gets recreated, um, that's why we never remember anything exactly the same way. Um, and so maybe you know, um, you know, uh, for for people like that as well, there is that flash of a of a kind of creative process that's still you know, the, under, the underlying neurological equipment is still intact enough <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to make it possible every so often, and it gets through, you know. Something like that gets through. Um,
0: and how it is bound up also with emotions, with, with joy and comfort. I mean, you can see people are also radiant in these moments sometimes. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's there. That's there, and and you know, it's it's um, it's a blessing that it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, what I mean by that is that it it um, sometimes it's it's the thing that enables family members to go on, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it sort of relieves the the despair. You know, like he said, you know, he said this to me today, you know, someone will come in, a caregiver will come in and say, oh, you'll never believe what he said to me today, you know, he's been quiet, he hasn't said a thing for, you know, whatever, a week or two, has hadn't been, and then he said this thing, you know, um, he looked at me and he touched my hand and he said, uh, I'm really glad you're here, or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. something simple, mm-hmm. and um, it's like uh, manna from heaven, you know, it's... Uh, so it and um it's important mm-hmm. it's important to those people that's what keeps them going
0: are there other um mysterious things like that or i don't know something else that's striking
1: to yeah you? yeah another one that i i just uh, that i also remember and i uh, that stays with me is um <clears throat> i had a i was working with a woman whose husband was in a nursing home and um he um you know uh there's there's that period of time when people with Alzheimer's begin to not recognize their family members, and it's it's wrenching and it's painful and it's 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 awful. Mm-hmm. It's just awful. And um, she was in that period of time, and uh, so it would happen every so often, you know. And the first time it happened, she was she came back to me in in kind of a panic, um, and uh, just you know she was she was distraught and said she didn't want to live anymore and mm-hmm. if he wasn't going to recognize her. And, and, um, and um, what started to happen was that she would go and see him and the first thing she would say was, do you remember who I am? Do you remember who I am? Do you remember who I am? You know? And sometimes um, he would you know, because it kind of waxes and wanes when that starts to happen. It it seldom just falls away all at once. It's, you know, it'll happen once and then not again for a month or two or whatever. And then it'll come back and it'll seem to persist for a little bit longer. And then eventually it it does, you know, um, there is no recognition. But she was doing this thing and I was trying to I was trying to convince her and trying to help her to kind of back off of that. That, um, you know, um, and I was suggesting to her that there are other ways that she could see that he recognizes her. Um, And there are, in Mm -hmm. fact. You know, Mm -hmm. even when someone can't answer that question, you can see on their face, you can see in their body language, there are lots of ways that you can tell, but it, it was no use. She was just focused on this thing. And, um he got to a certain point where he just he couldn't answer the question. And one day she went in and she asked him, and he looked at her and he said, I don't know who you are, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, uh, you know, he thought of the right answer. He did. I mean, he also he understood thought,
0: what she
2: needed to he hear. He
1: totally understood. And again, you know, I just, uh, that was... That was very wise. That was very wise. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know, on another level, I, I thought a lot about it. And I thought, you know, what endures, you know? What endures? You know, mm-hmm. does the name endure? Does the recognition endure? Um, to me, that's a statement about, you know, um, that love is enduring, mm-hmm. actually, mm-hmm. right? That you can, That you can hold on to that. Uh, sometimes even after you've lost uh, all the other things, you know. So that one has stayed with me. I mean, some of these things just feel to me like, um, you know, uh, just, uh, I don't know, uh, principles for, for living a good life, you know, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> right. You know, I would ask you that something you wrote. Um, I think this is you. Making sense of what you learn, just, you know, continuing what I think you were just saying. Um, you said, someone has said to you, I, I feel like a picture that is fading. And you note that's true for all of us. And you read, you wrote, watching the group members in their struggle to remember, write, and read their work is a moving experience on many levels. One of these is surely our awareness that the picture is fading along with the sparks of recognition this awareness lends a poignancy and triumph to the work with which one can identify. We all know what fading is like, and we all know that our fate is not so different from theirs. The triumph is temporary. It is of this moment, but it's the triumph of life over death.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when we first heard, when we first listened to the work that people were producing in the writing group, um, I was just, um, I was really, kind of astonished by how profound it seemed, and I, I sort of couldn't believe it. Like I thought, well, well, I, what is this? I mean, what uh, you know, are they great writers? Are the, the would these people have a particular talent for writing? I mean, what, what is actually going on here? You know, um, and um, in the end, I think, um, I think it's that. It's, it's, it's that they. They were, taking, they were making a, a statement about who they are, and the moment that they were in was such that it, it has this kind of resonance that feels familiar to all of us on some deep level, mm-hmm. which is that we don't have an unlimited amount of time, and, and we're going to run out of it. We're going to run out of it. And when you watch these people, you see people who are running out of time. Yeah. And they don't, um, and so there's almost something heroic, you know, like, I'm going to tell you who I am before it's too late. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to tell you this story about, you know, picking lilacs from a tree with my mother. You know, I'm <laughs> going to, whatever it is, you know, a simple story like that somehow has this kind of, um, it, it's elevated you know it's mm-hmm. elevated by the circumstance um I think don in his book um, don delillo yeah mm-hmm. yeah he 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 writes uh, about uh about the group and um he, he refers to it as um a final authority um they summon the force of final authority mm-hmm. um, um i think um no one knew what they knew here in the last clear minute before it all closed down. Um, he, um, he was writing in this book that he wrote called Falling Man mm-hmm. um, about a group, not unlike the group that, that we ran, a, group, uh, a writing group for people in the early stages of Alzheimer's disease. But I think that that's what gets conveyed through the writing, um, and um, it's Remarkable how it reads
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, in, in the re in the rereading in the in, in the um, you know when you encounter it, um, and I think um, we're not that different from them. Mm.
2: We're
0: there's, not. There's that one one line from one of one of the people in your writers group. I I can rem- remember picking a fig from a tree in Athens. My lover watches me with delight.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: That it's te- yeah. two sentences. It tells a story. That paints such a vivid picture.
1: Yes, yes. And you have now. You have the page in front of you, right?
0: Um, I typed oh, that do down. I don't have the oh. page in front of me.
1: Okay, because the page, you know, you you, you see the effort there yeah, also yeah, in that yeah. page. I oh, mean, where the, she's she, more crossed it out and started over again. Out, yes. And the, and she can 't quite get the get the spelling right, right. and the, the letters are backwards and the you know and, yeah. and 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 when she read that, it was like you know you just wanted to stand up and applaud <laughs> you know, uh, applaud, uh, yeah. you know? Uh, first of all, because it was so lovely and, uh-huh. and but yeah yeah
0: and you alluded to this a little while ago, but i I do want to mention it it's something that really formed me um and made me think about what a kind of linear uh, verbal idea we have of memory and communication um, mm-hmm. and certainly I'm completely word oriented mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. this that there's, there is body memory that I, I think we're learning mm-hmm. more about in the 21st century even than we knew a couple mm-hmm. of years ago mm-hmm. how eye contact and touch and just presence and um, mm-hmm. indulging simple pleasures like you know, there was one woman who I could I could wheel her outside to sit in the flowers. Mm-hmm. And she would be so sad and withdrawn when I arrived, sitting in that common room. Mm-hmm. And she would come to life. And, you know, I could mm-hmm. just imagine what stories were behind that. Or, But, I mean, I think that was also about body memory. I am mean, imagining this mm-hmm. woman who wrote about picking the fig from a tree in Athens, if you could somehow take mm-hmm. her to that place mm-hmm. in Athens, even after she... Mm-hmm. Long after she could write those sentences she would mm-hmm. she would feel that
1: story
2: I'm, I, I'm I think imagining. she did
1: i, I uh, think she she did feel that story when she when she wrote that and I, and she, I think she felt that story when she shared it with us. Mm-hmm. She was delighted <laughs> uh, to share that with us um, and um, I, I think that, uh, that's, that it absolutely was processed on a lot of uh, on a lot of different uh, a lot of different levels um and you know um it's still with us
2: hmm.
1: she's gone she's gone she's been gone for for a while you know and um and here we are um talking about her lover and that fig tree. And that and delight <laughs> I, and that delight, and I just you know for me that there's a deep sense of satisfaction in that um, and comfort in that, mm-hmm. um, and it's something else that i 've learned from this group um, um, you you really can you really can give memories to other people and they really um, they last. They last. You can't always know which ones are going to last, you know? Um, but um, there's something about that that's a comfort, um, even as we know that you know all the other stuff is true as well about our limited time and, and what we can accomplish and what we can't accomplish and all of it. But um, if you give it away and if you give voice to it, um, you never know. What's going to happen to it? Um, it it could uh, it can go on, um, yeah. And then other people take it and have their own experiences. And now with we're it.
0: talking about it on the radio.
1: <laughs> and here we are, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and remarkable. okay,
0: so I feel like we have like twenty five minutes left, and I, I yeah. and I want to talk about what this does to you. And we've been indulging in that a bit. And I but I feel like I need to say. That <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I would be, I would work in the Alzheimer's uh, uh, floor and I would I would just come home beaming you know in this strange way and I it w- and I would say mm-hmm. it's paradoxical because it's there's so much sadness and heartbreak there and my heart is broken every time mm-hmm. and yet it's a transformative experience it connects me with humanity in some way and then mm-hmm. I feel what I feel like I have to say and I'm sure you'd want me to say this is that for Family members who are living through this, and when it goes on for years and years, and there are all these different stages, and I mean, it's it is it's hard, (laughs) right? It's it's It's, uh, yeah. I mean, what there's this? I was reading um, oh, some it was something that a caregiver said. I think this was in an article in the New York Times. You know, something like the at some point the the, the you know that there can be these transcend there's there's something transcendent about it, but the but there's also just the pain in the neck of it the you know that that uh it's unbearable and that's what a lot of people are living living through yes
1: yes yes it is uh it's um it's deadening it's mm-hmm. deadening mm-hmm. uh and um uh yeah um you know i look i um it, i mean you're right there's there's uh it, it is a kind of different um, side of the coin here when you talk about the families yeah. um and and you know um and in a way uh we've been you know dwelling on one piece of this um mm-hmm. and um uh i uh i have great compassion uh for for those for people who have to um live with that mm-hmm. and i um i really see them as um also, having the illness in mm, a way mm. I mean, and that 's what i uh, that 's what I tell them um, they 're in danger, um, I see them as being in danger um, it's um, it's a dangerous it 's a dangerous occupation being the caregiver for uh, somebody with alzheimer 's disease, being a family caregiver, yeah. very different than what you and I are talking about yeah. very yeah. very different yeah,
0: um, yeah. Gonna, i I want to ask you this um if If you found out today that you or your spouse were in the early stages of alzheimer's what would, mm-hmm. what would be your reaction
1: hmm. well um I'd be very sad um I'd be very sad, I think, uh, probably first. I'd be yeah. very sad. I'd yeah. be very sad for a long time, probably. Um, I'd feel a sense of grief and and mourning uh, for what I knew that I was going to lose. Um, I think that's where I'd be um, um, at the outset of it. Would yeah. it be
0: very different from how you would have reacted if you hadn't done all this work?
1: Yeah. I don't think I'm as scared of it, actually, uh-huh. as I used to be. Uh, i don 't i 'm not scared of it i don 't think uh, now I, I I think that before I worked as people with alzheimer 's um, and before I was immersed in it in, in this way, I would have been much more frightened um, and
0: why are you not as scared
1: uh, you know i don 't know that 's a good question
0: see i't i mean i haven 't <laughs> done as much as you have, but I felt exactly the same way after I had spent that yeah. year and a half with people with alzheimer 's yeah. and um <sighs> I almost it, one of the things I thought I would do is not let anybody give me antipsychotic medication because I felt like mm-hmm. medicating was worse but I know that mm-hmm. that's also not the whole story.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But
0: you do hear yeah. about how this is this is the the disease that people in uh, the United States are more scared of than anything else. This is what no one wants to happen to them.
1: Yeah. But yeah. you
0: don't feel that way having done this work. No.
1: No, I find other things much scarier you know I've, i mean pain you know I mean, we could go down the list i'm sure yeah. we could think of all kinds of things that you know terrify us and you know the, the things that happen to people but but um no i don't i i um you know um it's tragic mm-hmm. so the the grief is it would be hard to take the grief would be hard to take but um uh I'm not afraid it it um it slips away you know it slips away, and I guess the other thing that you learn is that um for the people who go through it um they're not generally aware of it on this level mm-hmm. they lose along with you know the the kind of basic things uh the elements of memory and cognitive functioning that they lose they also lose that higher. Uh, sense of of uh, of insight into what 's going on what the bigger picture the is.
0: analytical
1: the analytical oh, abilities the, you know uh-huh. i i have this um, i had this experience of doing a workshop and um, there were people with alzheimer 's in the room and there were about twenty people in the room and we were kind of going around in a circle and and people in the with early alzheimer's were talking about you know their lives and how they what they do kind of give their lives meaning and you know find stimulating things to do and so on and um this man started talking about um, his experience as somebody with early alzheimer's and he was Painting a very kind of benign picture of it all, he said, well you know it's it 's difficult not to be able to remember and you know and but you know, but i you know I get up and i I can do this and I can do that, and i you know and basically he was just saying he 's fine he 's okay, and over his shoulder, sitting behind him was his wife, right. and she was crying oh she was crying and and i knew you know mm-hmm. he's kind of on this superficial level of understanding of just right. how much he's lost how much she has lost right. you know um but there he was you know he wasn't uncomfortable mm-hmm. he really wasn't right um and i so i think we we project our you know we project uh, our feelings onto them and we assume that they are you know are suffering some you know, right? right, terrible thing. But in fact, you know, um, that's not necessarily the experience of it, you know.
0: What, well, let me ask you this. If you found mm. out that you had Alzheimer's or your or your spouse had Alzheimer's, I mean, what what would you do if you, you are, yes, you would grieve, you would be sad, but knowing what you know, having seen what you've seen, um, what would you want to do to to make this as hmm, I don't know what the word is meaningful no but what would be what would feel important to you as a reaction
1: I really think that I would I would want to spend time uh, remembering whatever I could Mm. um, about my life and about um, the things that I've done and the things that were important to me um, and finding some organized way, some regular way to convey that mm-hmm. to to the people who are important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that, you know, as I said in the, the chapter uh, that I wrote about this, um, about the writing group, um, it's... Um, I'd want to be surrounded by acts of remembering mm-hmm. um, as much as possible. Mm. Um, there's a kind of... Um, I, I, I do think that one of the really difficult things that people with Alzheimer's experience is this this, um, the, this tyranny of, of having to remember everything that right. they subject themselves to and that as soon as they forget something, it's, oh, you know, it's... a bad sign and, and so on. And of course, the truth is, you know, we're, we're all forgetting things all the time. You know, they're not the only ones forgetting things, right. But, right. but as soon as you've got a diagnosis, the minute you forget something, you feel like the grim reaper has, okay. you know, descended and, and, you know, right, you know, lopped off something from, mm-hmm. right. Um, and um, so uh, it's important to kind of have some antidote to that. You know, just uh, to have an opportunity where you're a person who remembers something, not just a person who's forgetting all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that's what I would try to. That's what I would try to do, and, and be in a group. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd really probably get into this. a writers' group, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So, so we've been talking a lot about memory, and I, I was reading. Uh, there was just an article a New York Times article from 2001 that referred in shorthand to Alzheimer's as a disease of thinking. And I thought, boy, that's so inadequate. <laughs> mm-hmm. But and then it made mm-hmm. me wonder, what I'd like to ask you is, um, how do you, this is kind of a huge philosophical question, but how do you think differently about a word, you know, the distinctions between or overlap between memory, thought, consciousness? I mean, is consciousness the same as memory? Mm-hmm. Um, some people call mm. this a demise of consciousness, mm-hmm. and and maybe mm-hmm. maybe in this, I would also ask you how you you when we first began to speak, you talked about memory and Jewish tradition and your religious sensibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you understand these things differently because of your experience with Alzheimer's?
1: Mm-hmm. I guess you know. um I almost hesitate to say this because it, I feel like it sounds corny, but I, I, I guess I have to start here because yeah. that's the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, I, you know, when you've seen the unraveling of this consciousness that we have, right, and that is definitely a word that I would use. Um, When you've seen the unraveling from beginning to end, right, um. You, you can't help but recognize what a miracle it is, um, this mind that we have, this conversation that you and I are having. Um, you, know, um, you know, the fact that I'll leave here and uh, just, you know, kind of put myself out there into the world and think about a hundred other things, um, <laughs> it is, it's, it's really miraculous um, uh, even the most ordinary, <laughs> even the most ordinary brain, <laughs> mm. is miraculous, mm. and so I have come away certainly with a, um, a renewed appreciation of that. And I guess you know that does sound a little bit like you know the near death experience. And no, oh, now I really appreciate life. Here. Mm. But I, <laughs> but I, I certainly have that. And but you know, on the other side of the coin, I realize how ungrateful we are. Hmm. Um, you know, we don't notice it, r- really. I mean, I I, I don't want to generalize too much, but I, I think no, we tend not to notice it unless it doesn't work. Yeah, and then you know, then we get all you know bent out of shape. Oh, I can't remember this, or I can't remember that. And I, but from moment to moment, um, it's 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 a miracle. Hmm. It's really a miracle that that all of this works and that it works in the way that it does and that it has the richness that it does, um, you know, uh, that it takes in so much um, and that our internal lives and the lives that we can build as a result of what's inside are so rich, you know. Mm. So I, I, I absolutely um, have been touched in that way. Um, um, I also think um about um it's also influenced the way I think about God. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, you know, you know, we're taught that um, we're created in the image of god mm-hmm. so and I was taught that and and I accepted that and so what does that mean um, you know, uh, when you see things like this? you know um and um where i've kind of landed with all of that is that um uh, if if it's true uh, that that's um that we are created in god's image then god um god has alzheimers no <laughs> why, well, why do you say so? right?
0: that that, that well, that's a hmm.
1: That's part of it. It's not just the the miraculous stuff. It's not just the 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 you know. It's mm-hmm. it's all of it. Mm-hmm. It's not just the awe inspiring beautiful things. Um, it's the brokenness. Mm-hmm. It's 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 um, uh, it's the cruelty of this. Um, all of it. All of it. Um, all, it's, in the way I see it, it has to be. It can't just be one or the other. It has to be all of it, if that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and um, it's um, that's okay. That's okay with me. Uh, and I, I I guess it it kind of also has reinforced my own sense that um, what you do with that is, um, uh, and that our task is to just try and um, try and repair mm. as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's certainly part of my tradition, and it's a part of my tradition that speaks speaks to me, um, you know. Uh, so that you know, the world is broken, and and people people get broken too um, right. in the course of their lives, and um, uh, that's the way the world is. And and um, it's not because somebody made it that way, or someone's being punished, or anything like that. It's just. It's part of what's been bequeathed to us uh, Hmm. along with everything else, you know. So um, those are some of the, you know, some of the things that, some of the ways in which those ideas intersect, you know, Hmm. with, with Alzheimer's for me.
0: There's all that language in the Hebrew Bible about God remembering, right? God yeah. remembering. Does that, does that have different connotations for you now? Which also, yes. means, which also means that God forgot, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely, <laughs> that's what I mean. I mean, uh-huh. it, you can't remember, uh-huh. you can't only remember. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you're remembering, then there's, there's the absence of remembering also, right? Uh-huh. And so, um, yeah, I think there's probably a whole theology embedded in that. I mean, uh-huh. you know, that bad things happen when God forgets us or when we forget God or something. But I, I I um it is very striking to me um how much uh, how much there is about memory um certainly in the in, in the Old Testament and the Hebrew Bible. Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of the pivot point for so many things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's makes sense. It's a very fundamental um it's a very fundamental human characteristic.
0: So um you've written For people in the early stages of the illness who are experiencing the impairments but still entirely cognizant of the dissolution that lays ahead, the challenge is to construct a life in the shadow of the advancing darkness to answer the question, what is the point? Um, Mm. And I wanted to ask you um, how you answer that question differently because of this work you've done with Alzheimer's, these people you've known.
1: Um, I guess, you know, uh, it's, um, not to give up, uh, is, is another piece of it. You know, um, I, I think that, um, I am, uh, inspired by the courage that leads people to, continue to connect Mm. to kind of show up you know in this group situation where they're going to write things down when they've never written anything on a piece of paper before in quite that way or where they're going to meet new people Um, uh, I think that that's uh, inspiring Um, and um, so um, not giving up is 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 uh, is uh, high on my list there you mm-hmm. know that's that's part of the point um and um and uh always looking for that spark you know um in that darkness because it does it gets pretty dark mm-hmm. it does get pretty dark in there mm-hmm. and um and uh I think that you have to have the right people around you um otherwise um it's um, it's hard to see your way to anything else, you know. And I've had that experience. I'm sure you've had that experience as well, if you've if you've been on, um, you know, on those units. I mean, uh, you don't always. Uh, I-, I can say for myself, I, I-, I don't. Uh, sometimes I'm not equal to it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I-, I I get there. Uh, I'll be there, and I just feel engulfed by the. Um, yeah. By the despair, right. by, the, by the darkness of it, by the, you know, the, the, the deadness. The and I just sadness, f- yeah. Yeah, I just want to mm-hmm. flee. I just want to run as far away as I possibly can run. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, you have to do that sometimes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I suppose that's true for caregivers as well.
1: It it is, um, it is absolutely true for caregivers. I think that caregivers really... Um, um, the line between the person with Alzheimer's and the person who is caring for them can become blurred to such a degree that the caregiver's future becomes the, the same future as the person with Alzheimer's. They, they, they really do begin to feel as if they, too, are dying... They really do begin to feel as if they are losing their minds. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've had that experience as well. Um, uh, You know, there's something about talking with someone whose grip on the moment is loose Mm -hmm. (laughs) that can induce in you uh, a kind of confusional state. Right, mm. you, know, you ask a question then there's a long pause then there's an answer the answer is not quite the answer to the question that you asked it's a, it's a different kind of answer mm. the language is a little bit jumbled you're trying to follow it then they stop and then I can't tell you how many times I've had the experience where I thought what was the question that I asked mm. I don't remember mm. um, you know right that's what that is. It's, it's, it's um, you know, people who are impaired in that way, they have to have some way of conveying their experience to you. They can't really tell you what they're going through. Yeah. And so they kind of they affect you in that way. They give you a sense when you're with them of what it's like. And I think that's what happens. But if you're a family member, and this is going on day in and day out, Right, It's one yeah. thing to be a psychologist or doctor. Right, right, you know, you're right. in and you're out. Right. But if you're a family member and that's going on, just imagine um, how, what kind of impact it has on your sense of reality, on your sense of mm. who you are and what the world is like. Um, and so it's, it's, the, line can become, uh, the line can really become blurred, and um, that's why it is dangerous, uh, I think, for, for caregivers. They really need outside sources of uh, support.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, there's something in this for another conversation, isn't there, about who we are for each other and mm. in some very distorted and difficult way how we are all always intertwined and have this need. Mm-hmm. Know. Okay, mm. I think we have mm-hmm. to finish. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it and appreciate yeah, it. Too. Um. And it's a conversation I've wanted to have for a long time. So... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, we will um, <clears throat> we'll let you know what's happening with this and when, and mm-hmm. uh, may have some questions which we can send by email or give you a call. Is that all right? Uh, do, let me ask you this: You say your name Stack. is that right? Rather than Dean yes. Deanstag, yeah. you don't say yes. the German way. Okay, no, no. <laughs> all right. Okay, thank you so
2: much.
1: Thank you, thank okay. you, Krista. It was right. a pleasure.
2: Yeah. Bye bye. Bye
1: bye.